Hello, and welcome to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And this week, our guest from last week has come back to join us again. He's a longtime Muppet fan pal guest. Remind us who you are. Hi, guys. It's me, Matt Wilkie, also from Tough Pigs. And I'm so glad that we're all together again. Aw. Perfect. <laughs> That's from this movie. <laughs> sure I've is. seen it. Yeah. And today oh, we're cool. here to talk about these two minutes of the movie, minutes 45 and 46, in which uh, the, the rats and Kermit get tossed out of Sardis, and Kermit and Jenny go jogging. So as this clip begins, uh, from picking up from last week, chaos reigns inside Sardis. The patrons have seen the, rest, uh, the rats sneaking around the restaurant. Everyone's yelling, going crazy. Uh, Richard Hunt's mom is smacking one of the rats with her menu. That's a fun, <laughs> fun little... Our, our... Our good friend uh, Milton Seaman is trying to stab one with a fork. Yeah. That's what he learned in his Air Force training. I guess so. That's so. how they get rid of the gremlins on the plane. Is you yeah, stab right. one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what you got to do. They, every, yeah, you, every Air Force guy had to have a fork in, uh, in with his, I don't know, his Air Force tools. That's a that's that's how they came up with the name. They said they said uh, someone had said we should name it after our Air Forks. And oh, said, no, no. Did you Air Force? That's it. That's it. See, you don't you don't hear that kind of fascinating information on any other podcast, folks. <laughs> that's so good. So. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, Matt. I'm so glad. <laughs> uh, Kermit is just looking on helplessly. We see Vincent Sardi just kind of a uh, junior, just looking kind of bewildered. Uh, then there's a shot of all five rats just scampering out of the dining room. We see their whole bodies, and their little legs are moving very quickly. I don't know how they did this. I. So they... yeah, go ahead. They... Well, it feels like it must be some kind of radio control, right? Like we know Fazakis did the rat tricks in the in the diner scene. This feels like it could be part of that. Yeah, but then are the are the puppets like actually running on their own? Like they just put them down and they ran away. Think, all five of them. It, I think it might be like a combination radio control and marionette. Like I think yeah. it was like I think it was like maybe like marionette on top, and then the radio control was for the feet, so they could keep going. But then right. you're just marionetting them off. Yeah, that, that's probably right. Yeah. Um, and it definitely looks like they're all connected somehow. Like they're I all so. they're all moving in unison. Yes. You know, they're not like running around. It's a very quick shot. Uh, I couldn't see it any looks strings. Great, I mean, yeah, it looks yeah. really good. I couldn't see any strings from above, but um, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if you could actually see that mechanism. If like maybe the maybe all the rats like their their legs are just rotating as they as they get mm. pulled forward by the marionette strings, yeah. something like that. But yeah, it looks Probably. really good. Um. So the, I just then, I okay. just want to say sorry I just want to say real quick um, that I really appreciate that in this clip it's it's you know the two minutes and for one sixth a full twenty seconds the only dialogue is screaming yes <laughs> that's it for, well hey what would you do if you saw five rats in I get it I were, get it I'm yeah. I'm right there with you yeah. So uh, we see the outside of Sardis, the, the door opens, and Kermit and all five rats are physically ejected from the restaurant. 
and they land on the sidewalk. Uh, now, this there's a close up of of them, and this has to be a set inside a soundstage, yeah, because the puppets are all moving. So therefore, the puppeteers must be sticking their arms up through a hole. But like when you're just watching this movie normally and not paying attention two minutes at a time, you never question for a second that this is just the sidewalk in New York City. Right. Well, I mean, we get that establishing shot of the right. restaurant, which which helps in a couple of ways. It helps because it establishes the location again, but also like I think it's really funny that we see the silence of the of the front of the restaurant, like cut yeah. from the screaming to it's completely silent outside before they get thrown out, which is really fun. Yeah, yeah. screaming, then pause for silence, and then these characters all get thrown out. Yeah, yeah, it's great timing. Right. Yeah, it's all it's all movie magic, man. Love this stuff. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on Sardis before we move on to what comes next? I I, I exhausted all my Sardis stories last time. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything more that, that can be said about that hollowed institution. All right. <laughs> well, the next thing we see is a lovely aerial shot of Central Park. Uh, we've mentioned Central Park here and there on the podcast before, but I guess we haven't really talked about it in detail. Uh, it's a, a very large, uh, very pretty park in the middle of Manhattan. It goes from 59th Street to 110th Street, uh, south to north, and 5th Avenue to 8th Avenue, east to west. Um, there's always, well, when there's not a pandemic, and the weather is nice. There are always tons of people walking around, biking. There's some ponds. There's the Central Park Zoo. There's a bunch of statues of uh, historical figures and literary figures. Uh, very nice park. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it is the most filmed location in the world. I don't know how they arrived at that conclusion, but I would, I would believe it. Uh, Sesame Street has filmed there several times, uh, including one of the opening sequences. Uh, had Big Bird and some kids running around Central Park. Um, Kermit and Fozzie filmed an anti-littering PSA in the park not long after this uh, movie was filmed. There's also a building called The Dairy. And when The Muppets Take Manhattan was released, uh, there was a promotional exhibit inside uh, that dairy in uh, the building called the dairy in the park, uh, which I, we might talk about a little later in another episode of the podcast. Uh, Matt, what cool. did you have? Um, so, uh, well, I wanted to ask a, a native New Yorker. Um, so this is Central Park. That's in Manhattan, as we established. Yes. Um, throughout this movie, have you noticed, do they visit the other boroughs at all? Or is it all Manhattan? Oh, uh, well, actually, I should say first, I'm not a native New Yorker. I am a long-time oh, well, yes, New Yorker, yes, yeah. but uh, native Texan originally. Um, a resident, yeah. It, that's a good question. Uh, I There are just a few shots, like maybe in the montages. We, we saw on that Bowery Boys blog that when Scooter is biking away from the city, Manhattan's in the background, he's in New Jersey. But yeah, really, other than that, Oh, well, yeah. Nothing that takes place in New York City, I th I don't think, is in any of the boroughs besides Manhattan that I can think of. Cool, yeah. That's just something that popped into my head when I was watching this shot, because I was like, I think that's Central Park. I'm not 100% sure, because it's been a while since I've yeah. watched this. And then, like, yeah, of course it was once I watched it a little bit more. Um, sure. But I was, I was like, I wonder if they did, because I know that's in Manhattan, but are there any other scenes in the other boroughs? So. 
So it is really just they're taking Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not to, called to The get, Muppets Take Staten Island. It's true. Yeah, to get to get the full experience, you got to watch Rumble in the Bronx. You got to watch Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. <laughs> you got to watch King of Staten Island. And you got to watch um, The Queen. <laughs> or just watch several episodes of The King of Queens. There you go. <laughs> I would, that would be like the craziest movie marathon I could possibly imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun, actually. And then, and then, and then you wrap it up with the Gotti movie with John Travolta, where he talks about the five boroughs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I was going to say about Central Park. Um, also, as a person who's been to New York City twice, both both times to visit you, Ryan. Yes. Um, we went to Central Park together. We did. And. We went to see Jim Henson's bench. Right. So we got to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it has been said that Jim Henson really loved Central Park. And there is a stretch of the park called the Literary Walk. It's just like a straight path surrounded by trees. It leads to the Bethesda Fountain, which has been in a lot of movies and TV shows. If if you would recognize it, if you saw the Bethesda Fountain. Um, And the Literary Walk is full of these benches that have been dedicated uh, in honor of various people and memory of various people. And there's one dedicated to the memory of Jim Henson. It says to the joyful life of Jim Henson, who loved this walk in the park. And yeah, in the years that I've lived here, it's like the number one, or it, it definitely, I would say in the top three places that you go with Muppet fan friends who are visiting from out of town. I mean, you, well, you got to do it. Um, yeah. we, I remember you, it was you and me and uh, Roz and Stacy are I said those opposite, but our our respective wives, um, and Joe was there too, <laughs> yes. as well. So, um, yeah, and we're all sitting on the bench, and we're all five squeezed onto the bench, and we look like the friends from the TV show Friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and next to the Jim Henson bench is another bench that's dedicated to the memory of John Stone, the writer, director, like essentially showrunner of Sesame Street for many years. So. Yeah, yeah. If you're that's, in Central Park, look for those benches. For sure. Yeah, that's that's you said it was top three. That was definitely something else that that actually the same trip actually with with Dave uh Hultine and my fiance, we went to see that that park bench. And then while we were there, we um there was somebody there who was, you know, like a very New York thing where he was he was like, Oh, I've been out here for three years taking Polaroids of people, and I take Polaroids every day, and then like we put them in this project, so like we all took our picture with the with the project, and it was a really fun day. Um, so so we said top three. What do you think of the the other two? Yeah, I, well, I was trying to think as I was saying that out loud. I could. <laughs> well, the the old the, the former Jim Henson Company townhouse is definitely one of those. Um, I mean, it's not. It's just a building now. It's just you go there and look at it, and you can kind of imagine Jim Henson working in his office upstairs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, now that I'm being put on the spot, I can't think of him. Well, I mean, there's this, the carriage house, the the Henson company carriage house, which was also a former uh, headquarters of the company and the, the Muppet workshop. Um, it used to be the FAO Schwartz uh, whatnot workshop for a few years, but that's gone now. That's- yeah, gone, yeah. yeah, that one's gone. Well, and and actually, um, another thing that we 
tried to see when I was there and didn't get to. Um, we, you and I and and Roz and Joe went on the NBC studio tour, hoping to see the Muppet Pipes. Yeah. And we were not able to because the particular day that we were there, it was like Jimmy Fallon's dressing room at the time. Well, and yeah, something, they, isn't that right? Was that before? Yeah, no, that was after they had like framed them and and made them part of the tour, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, it used but to it just be like, in a dressing room. And I, I, I'm, for people who might not know, it was uh, like in 1960-something, the Muppets were on, uh, was it the Jack Parr show? Jack Parr, yep. And <clears throat> uh, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, Don Celine, and Jerry Jewell, I guess, was like that was the gang at the time. They were just sitting around in this dressing room waiting to be called to the stage. And they opened this closet and found all these pipes, and they had some of their their supplies with them, and they went to the workshop to get more supplies, and they ended up just, like, painting all of these pipes to look like creatures, basically. And a few years ago, they added this to the NBC tour, so when we went, we were very excited to see this. Uh, we went on a weekday. What we did not know is that you can't see it on the tour on a weekday because Jimmy Fallon is taping on that floor and that floor is closed to the public. So I guess if you go on a weekend, you have a better chance of seeing them up at pipes, but yet to this day, I have yet to see them. Yeah. That was so, that was so disappointing. Yeah. We even, Uh, we, we asked our tour guide, like, look, we're really big Muppet fans. <laughs> maybe you could just like just the four of us, or you know whoever it was. Maybe just this once, let us get up there. I'm sure Jimmy Fallon would understand. And she he was very sweet about it, but she was like, "No, you can't do that." <laughs> I not to make you guys too jealous. I did get to see them. I did get uh, to go on the tour on the right day at the right time, and uh, it was it was really cool because it's a very small section. Um, so even within your tour group. They, they're just like, okay, pair up, like whoever you're here with your small group, we're just going to do kind of like a really quick 360 walk in and out and everybody can get to see it. Um, it was, they said you could take pictures, but they have like a plexiglass on it. So right. they always come out kind of crappy because of the, the, um, sure. the flash. Yeah, you might just get a um, picture of a glare. Yeah, but but again, not to make you too jealous, it was really cool to see. It's oh, cool. I bet. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I should have gone back. I mean, that's been years since we did that. I should have gone back in that time to take the tour again. On yeah, that was that was 2013. Yeah, what am I waiting for? It's my own fault that I haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah, you can go anytime. I, I not don't, now. I, not now. No, Hold on, not no. now. Yeah, don't go now. Don't go now. That's <sighs> yeah. When it is <laughs> when it is safe to do so, I will take yeah. the tour. Anyways, when when it is safe to do so, I'll come over there and go see the Muppet yeah, types. Yeah, good. Again. We'll all go again. Yeah, I yeah, love the whole it. gang. And then they'll right. be like, "Oh no, sorry, there's a fire alarm so going off." Up Seth there. Myers is Seth Myers is yeah shooting today. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, those are. I'm I'm sure I could think of other like I'm, people will be commenting in, on Facebook. I'm sure I've. I'm, there are many other essential Muppet sites in yeah. New York that yeah. I'm not thinking of. We've yeah. written about them on Tough Pigs before. They're out there. Yeah, when we, I, I remember when we did like that big. We we had like the Muppet Road Trip yeah. series, which is really fun. Right. Where, where we started out in New York, and then and then of course I I, I bring this up just because it's something that everybody will scream at us. Uh, there is of course the Museum of the Moving Image. Yes, if you go out to the other boroughs, yes, the Museum of the Moving yeah. Image in Queens, and yeah, I mean you could like 
walk by Kaufman Astoria Studios and wave hello at yeah. the building where they tape Sesame Street and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, back to this movie. The next thing we see is, well, we see Jenny sitting near this pond in the park. I actually, in the wide shot here, I didn't notice Kermit at first because he is so small and also the same color as the grass. <laughs> but Kermit is sitting there with Jenny. Uh, they're sad. Uh, Jenny asks Kermit about the third part of his plan. Now, he had a three-part plan. We've seen the first two parts. And we... Remind us what those parts are, Jay. There. Yeah, the part one, well, he said part one was if you can't beat him, join him. If you can't beat him, join him, right? That was Bafo Lenny, Sako Lenny. And then I guess part two was a whispering campaign. And that's what we just saw end disastrously at Sardis. So we discussed this in a previous episode, like, what was part three supposed to be? And I had actually forgotten that this line is in here where he says, I don't think there's going to be one. But that just means we, we never find out. We have no idea what part three was supposed to be. Right, he's so sad and dejected that he abandons his three-part plan. Yeah, in in the middle of it, and we never to this day we don't know. Right, we can't even we can't even ask Kermit now. He doesn't even remember. <laughs> you think he's <laughs> he's uh, repressed it? You think Matt he's, Vogel cares about that? So right? <laughs> I bet Matt Vogel. Could, you know what? Yeah, I, I, could I, come I do up think with, that. He, yeah, does, yeah. he does. Yeah, I do think Matt Vogel has an answer it, for that. It, that's it what I'm saying. I think he could improvise Matt Vogel something. Has an answer, and that Jim would have had one. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's probably right. Yeah, which is, so. that's a great thing about like the this next generation having grown up watching these things and obsessing just like we do. Matt Vogel has an answer for this. I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, we should he's, ask. Him. He's a Muppet nerd. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and so then Kermit says, I feel like I'm being a phony, and I can't take it anymore. We had some discussion on, on the Tough Picks Facebook page and the, the forum about, like, exactly how does this, do, do these plans that Kermit is trying to do, uh, how are they affecting him, pretending to be these show business big shots? This line that he says, I I guess I read that as... Like he just he realizes that he's not really cracked up to be one of these show business big shots. Like he doesn't belong in that world. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think that feels good. It, yeah. Is it more uh, about I, I like I, I don't like what I'm doing, or is it more like I this isn't for me? I think it's more about this isn't who I am. Yeah. Um, I think this movie. I, I really thought about this today, and um, it's a lot about who am I? Where do I fit in, in this world? And, and am I kind of like stretching myself too far? And I think that really ties into like later the, the amnesia scene for sure. Like all those scenes. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point. Yeah. So, so Kermit here is like really trying to remember who he is, who he is at his core, what he wants to do. I think that mirrors a little bit Jim's struggles too, where he's like, am I an Mm. artist or am I a producer? Like, do I want to be in the movies or do I want to make the movies? And am I the Muppet guy or can I go off and make the Dark Crystal? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And then, and then for him to like completely lose his memory and have to get it back. And it's like, he literally has to remember who he is. And this is like kind of planting the seeds of that. And I think that also kind of ties into like, we talk about Frank Oz as a director and like maybe what his through line is. And at this point, he must be really struggling with that identity too. Like, like we also, 
um, you know, remember the, the conversation he has about buying a can of beans. Like, I always think about that when I think of Frank Oz. <laughs> Which buying he, has, a can of beans. he has mentioned so many times. Yeah. And, yeah, you, and just, you did again. Did you guys hear that? That Mike oh, on the, Mike, on the, the, the I haven't listened to it yet, but he yeah, mentioned he talks it. about buying yeah. a can of beans in that. Yeah. Uh, and and so usually funny. the context is I'm, you know, I, I play these famous characters and yet I can go anonymously to a store and buy a can of beans. Yeah, yeah, and like, like we look at the last scene. That's that's Kermit. Like, like he kind of wants to be famous with his with his musical, right? And he's he's putting a persona onto himself that he's like performing when he's out in public, um, but in private life, he's really struggling with this about how do I get myself known to the degree that I need to be known to make my dreams happen. Right. And he's trying to do it the way that he thinks he's supposed to, to make it in show business, but it's, it's, it's uh, exhausting for him. Right. Which, which is what, when Jim and and Frank started doing puppetry on television, like that, they had to reimagine that too. That's interesting. We're getting deep here. guys. (laughs) I like it. Well, Jenny sympathetically puts her arm around Kermit. He kind of leans in on her. Uh, but then a few feet away from them, we see that there is a bush who is very unhappy about this. Because behind <laughs> that bush is Miss Piggy. She's still around, still spying on Kermit. Uh, I, I love that shot panning past them to close up on the bush. Yeah, yeah there's so no, great. it's not a cut. It's just, it's Jenny and Kermit and then... Oh, look behind them. There's a bush. Oh, and here's Miss Piggy behind the bush. What do you know? Yeah. Um, I know I know you guys have probably talked a lot about Jenny, but since it's my first time, I want to talk a little about Jenny. Sure. Um, I love Jenny. I love her so much. And this scene especially, I always remember them sitting together and like he's really sad. His plans aren't working. His friends are gone. He's all alone. And in this moment, I've always thought that what Piggy sees could have happened like like right there i think jenny was kind of falling in love with kermit a little bit uh i I see it you can make a case for that yeah um i think we've commented before they do have chemistry for sure for sure yeah yeah Yeah. and that's and that's you know that's definitely a testament to the actor but it's also like no they they could have done like a real love triangle on this one and it would have made sense i think so yeah, I don't think that's something they were really interested in in this movie. But yeah, yeah, they could have sold that. So Jenny, who is ever the chipper, upbeat friend, uh, announces to Kermit that moping time is over. They're going to exercise. She kind of yanks him up off the ground and starts <laughs> starts running. Uh, Kermit kind of goes, <laughs> which is another great... <laughs> another- great Kermit mouth sound from Jim Henson. We we talked about those a lot in the Muppet movie. I feel like maybe less so in, in this one, but uh, another good one. I mean, and then Piggy sees them start to, to jog and says, oh dear lord, not jogging. She's not excited about keeping up with them. Um, they start jogging along the pond. Kermit is very small, so I assume... I mean, Jim Henson has to be on one of those uh, rolling dollies to, oh, yeah, to keep yeah. up with her. And then I, I guess she's probably also not jogging at full speed, so that she's. I for a minute, in one of the shots, it looked to me like she was also just running in place. That might I think be. it's possible that they were pulling both of them on a big cart, and she was running in place at some point. Oh, yeah. Mm, then yeah, they can make sure that they're right. both moving at the exact same speed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Although it would be pretty funny if she was like, hey, Kermit, let's go jogging. And then she just starts jogging off and leaves him <laughs> in the dust. She books it. <laughs> with his little legs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so oh, she's, she's pointing out the great weather. She's trying to lift his spirits. Uh, Piggy's just struggling to keep up with them. Uh, she, Jenny tells Kermit that exercise is good for him. He says, yeah, stretch the old frog legs. I like I, I enjoy that. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I guess that's the first frog legs joke in this movie. Maybe the only one. Is that right? That's the first time that they've mentioned frog legs since the Muppet movie, right? They yeah, there were no frog legs Muppet. joke. I don't think so in the Great Muppet Caper. So that's interesting. Uh, Piggy, by the way, I think is wearing a very 1980s outfit here. I mean, I guess it is. It's It does not look like something that somebody would wear now. For sure. With this little yeah. s- scarf or, I don't know, not to bring this argument up again, but it, I don't know, maybe it's an ascot or a dickie. But yeah, <laughs> it just looks very 80s to me. Uh, Piggy is out of breath. She leans on a lamppost. And then she realizes that her her gloves are smushed in gum. And her hands are now stuck to the pole. And look, I got to say, people, don't stick your used gum on a lamppost. Don't throw it on the ground. Don't throw it out a window. Just throw it in a proper trash receptacle. It's not that hard, and you'll avoid bringing undue strife to somebody like Miss Piggy here. <laughs> she had to throw out those gloves, you guys. Those gloves were ruined. You know how much they cost her? $75. No you might wow. be right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and she's a poor, recent college graduate. So, and she just got <laughs> fired from her job. How is she buying these gloves, you guys? I'm yeah, really concerned. Yeah, how many pairs yeah, of gloves know. does she have? Does she just have the one, or does she have many different pairs of gloves? That she oh, she's use? got many. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Like one one for... I, I expect she has like one for every day of the year. And then oh, at the, the year. end of the year, just... Yeah, no, for sure. Miss Piggy? Yeah. 365 <laughs> pairs every year she buys. Wow, that's... That is that is living in luxury. And most of them are the same color, even. So it's not like anybody would even be able to tell. But she could. Yeah, she knows. But no, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Piggy's bad situation <laughs> gets worse a second later when this unsavory character, this guy comes up behind her and grabs her purse, runs away with it. Piggy screams. And that's where the clip ends. Another exciting cliffhanger that we will and have. More, to- more screaming, huh? More, yeah, that's right. Last last week ended with screaming, last one and this ended week with screaming. Yeah, with screaming. Um, before we move on, I have a couple things I want to mention. Something cool about the lamppost in Central Park. You can actually use them to orient yourself within the park. Uh, I guess in the smartphone uh, GPS map era, this is maybe less uh, crucial, but. Um, this I, this was on the website Untapped New York. Central Park's decorative lampposts feature plaques with four numbers embossed onto them. The first two indicate the closest cross street, and the last two numbers indicate which side of the park the lamp is closer to. Even numbers, in this case, mean the east side, and odd numbers mean west. The last two digits also indicate location, with the numbers increasing as you move closer to the center of the park. So, that's amazing yeah isn't it that's so cool yeah isn't that cool i i live i live in los angeles as you guys know and um when i think about like the city planning that went into new york city and like how it's like you got your grid system you yeah. got your like like things like that and then i look at los angeles where it's just like <laughs> here's <laughs> here's the streets it's gonna take you three hours to get anywhere good luck yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty just, good yeah. 
Uh, although I live in Queens, where there is apparently a grid, but it's like nobody understands it. Where you'll you'll be driving and you'll pass like sixty fourth Street, sixty fourth Road, sixty fourth Avenue, and then like sixty fifth place, sixty fifth Road, and it, no nobody understands. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Then you'll be like, it's at the corner of 63rd and 63rd. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So. The, the the Twin Cities have a weird habit of reusing the same street names over and over. Oh boy. Like I uh. I feel like I feel like every street is named Hamlin or Snelling. Oh, so it's like, like Hamlin Street, Hamlin Place, Hamlin Avenue. Yeah, but like like Hamlin Avenue is like kind of a main drag, but then it's like the Hamlin in in uh St. Paul and the Hamlin in in Minneapolis are not connected to one another in any way. Like the, the, the river, it, it doesn't cross the river. It's not you know like what one like, long street, but, yeah, but there's, there's like the, a bunch like that where hmm. it's like, but they're the twin cities. I thought they were supposed to be identical. Is that not true? They are. They are. They are <laughs> identical. That's why they have all the same street names. Maybe yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> I, I was, know. I was, I was somewhere once. I cannot remember where, um, I think I was like visiting a friend somewhere and I, I hadn't driven around there before. And I got to this section of town and they lived on something like Jefferson street. And I realized as I was driving there, and it's getting closer that the streets in this town were the presidents in order. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jefferson city, Missouri has that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so like, so like when I got like turned around, I had to sit there in the car for a second and think about, okay, Washington Adams Jeff, and, <laughs> and go backwards to be like, okay, so this, so I'm three streets away. All how, right, I'm good. How far up did it go? What was the most recent president? I don't know. And then you wonder, do you they know, have to, are they going to have to change the names <laughs> of streets to keep up? This, the city keeps yeah. expanding. Right. I know, in, I know in Jeff city, it goes up to Grant. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, oh, that's okay. not very far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was and after- obviously like there's there's only one Adams, you know. Mm, no- okay. Yeah, good enough you- for both of them. Yeah. Does anybody yeah. know who came after Grant? Like, what would be the next street if they? Uh, Rutherford B Hayes. Very good. <laughs> I had no idea. I was hoping somebody would. <laughs> so anyway, if you ever get lost in Central Park, that's uh, a good way to to find your way around. Uh, the other thing I have in the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay, there was a cameo appearance here that did not make the final cut. Uh, when Miss Piggy first stops to catch her breath, a Rolls Royce pulls up behind her. The driver opens the door and a tall, handsome man gets out and approaches Piggy. And there's a little conversation. She never turns around during this exchange. He says, excuse me, I couldn't help noticing you. I've never seen anyone like you. She says, look, Buster, take a hike. And he says, but I find you so attractive, so lovely. She says, look, I've been hit on four times already today. I'm not even going to turn around. I just want you gone. He asks her to dinner and she threatens to call a cop. So he backs away, gets back in the Rolls Royce and drives away looking at Piggy with sad, longing eyes. And then she just says, these creeps. So, I mean, on uh, on the one hand, like, good for Piggy. Like, it'd be like a nice, it'd be like, you know, good good for her, whatever. But also, like, there's nothing funny about that. (laughs) No, not really. It, it. And it totally kills the momentum of the scene with the jogging and the mugger. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Did, did I, did I miss, did you say who it was supposed to be? Or was that one of no. those like, we'll fill it in later. Yeah. It just says cameo. It just okay. says a tall, handsome gotcha. man. <laughs> so who were yeah. some yeah. tall, handsome men in, uh, 
1984 or 83. At first, at first, when you were saying it, I thought it was going to be Charles Grodin, to be honest with you. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel, I feel like the ideal is like Robert Redford, right? Yeah, yeah, or or like Richard Gere, maybe. Yeah, what you was know? Richard Gere? Yeah, yeah I guess. I was in the gentleman would have been yeah, right yeah. before this. Yeah, right. American Gigolo would have been before right. This. So that's around the yeah. time for him. Yeah, yeah, those would have worked. But yeah, I think it it's better left out of the movie. So uh, yeah, any final thoughts from you guys about these minutes, Matt? I will start with you. Sure. Um, nothing specific, but if we're just kind of talking Muppets, man, take Manhattan in general. Um, I thought of something while I was watching this today. So, so I was kind of, um, I, on some other episodes, um, we, we, you guys kind of talked about how this one feels almost like a cliff notes version of the first two Muppet movies where it's like everything moves faster. And I thought that was really interesting. So I just kind of wanted to, to talk about that for a second, because mm-hmm. I think that's really, that's a really cool idea. And it's, it reminded me of like when you're, when you're an artist or when you're a kid and you're an artist and you're trying to like, like learn how to draw, um, let's say Spider-Man. So you're drawing Spider-Man and you draw him all the time. And then like something kind of warps a little bit in kids where they draw like less and less details because they know what's in their head and putting it onto a page kind of gets a little bit harder because they can't do it exactly like they want to. It gets a little more abstract. Yeah. And I thought that this, this movie kind of plays into that too. Like if it does feel like, Oh, we've already established what Muppets are in our last movie. And even though this isn't a direct sequel, it's, it's, it's almost like it's playing off of being a sequel without being a sequel. And right. it's so, it's so bizarre because, because Muppet movie is the origin story and great Muppet caper is kind of an extension of that. Everybody's off the chain a little bit. You can get a little right. wilder. Well, well, and we talked about at the time in keeper, we talked about how like, it's very plausible that that's the movie they make for, for right. new lore, right? right? Yeah. Like you can, you can, you can fuse those two together if you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, but this one is just, it's so different. It's so different. And I think that's why a lot of people, like when they try to rank them, this one doesn't get as much love. And, and I do the same thing. Like it's not, it's not number one for me at all, Uh Um, but it's not lower tier either. It's just like kind of like this middle thing where it's like it, it, I don't know if it fully knows what it wants to be. And I was trying to compare it to something. And the first thing that popped into my head and it's weird, but it was um, Batman, the animated series. Huh. Where, where if you look at adaptations of Batman, um, you've got some that are really realistic. Like you've got your Dark Knight trilogy, where it's like super realistic and very gritty. And then you've got things like Batman, the Brave and the Bold, where it's just like so wacky and so totally out there. But this one, it like it almost blends those two elements where it's like not too realistic, but not too cartoony. And that's kind of where I landed on that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's yeah. So you're saying the Muppet movie is, is maybe more realistic and caper is more cartoony or. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so caper would be your, um, your brave and the bold. Yeah. And then Muppet movie would be your dark Knight, where it's like, huh. like still like, I mean, of course all of this is Muppets and they're all goofy and silly. And yeah. There's no realism on a lot of levels. Um, but yeah, it's just something that popped into my head. Yeah, today. and the Muppets are characters where there's the potential to do 
different takes on them, which we've seen even in the last, you know, however many years, like they can do these short bits on YouTube or they can do the Muppets ABC sitcom, which it was very different from that kind of thing, or Muppets Now is, is different from both of those things. So yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a similar kind of thing. There's a lot of different things you can do with them. So yeah, I like that. Um, oh, Anthony, did you have any final thoughts? So one thing, um, Jenny here, Jenny is wearing like a kind of like a jersey, like a like a football jersey T-shirt. And it reminds me of in the opening credits of the Mary Tyler Moore show when Mary is wearing a Fran Tarkenton jersey. And I just think Jenny looks kind of like Mary Richards. That's all. Oh, okay. It has the number 12 <laughs> on it. I don't know if the number 12 is significant, but. I don't know. And Mary's has the number 10. Like it's, it's oh. Fran Tarkington. It's the Vikings quarterback. So who's wearing number 11? Whoa. <laughs> we got to find it somewhere we'll out there. Know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So Matt, the other thing we like to do is ask uh, people, what's your history with this movie? Uh, you, you touched on this a little bit, but are you able to rank it alongside the other Muppet movies, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was the one that, um, so I was born in 85. And so this was one that would play on TV a lot when I was mm. a kid. Um, I know you guys talked about that too. Um, so that, uh, what was it? WGN was at the station and, and yeah. WNYC I got where I grew up too. So there was Saturday afternoon movies. A lot of times it was either Roger Rabbit or huh. this yeah. one. Wow. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have this one on VHS, which was like the key. So I had Muppet movie and I had great Muppet caper on VHS. So those are the two I watched a lot. Um, and this one, yeah, just not as much. I'd catch it on TV. I'd see it a lot. Um, it's great, but it's just strange because <laughs> I feel like it's, it's trying so hard to be more grounded and more realistic and it's a great experiment in that, but it just doesn't hit. And it's just not the right franchise to do a more grounded take. Um, so so it's lower tier for me, but certainly not because of so many great things about it. The songs are fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it's it's got a lot of really good things going for it. It's got not as many jokes. Like it, it's much because of the context of it. Because Yeah, of I think that's right. Um, so it's not as like wacky. And I think that's why a lot of Muppet fans don't put it higher is because it's just not as like laugh a minute. Um, you're really doing a lot of introspective stuff, but as I get older, that's the kind of the cool stuff for me. It's like the things that you can think about more. Hmm. Um, so I would say definitely top five. Um, but maybe number five of my top five. Oh, okay. Okay. Then I'm so of the the post uh, Jim Henson uh, movies, then what what else would be in your top five? Um, it would be in no particular order because I right. have to think about it. Yeah, again. you're not ranking uh, them necessarily. Yeah. Just yeah. So so top five is is the the three Jim direct, uh, produced ones. Uh, so Muppet movie, Great Muppet Caper, Muppet Sick Manhattan, um, Muppet Most Wanted, Muppets mm. Most Wanted, and then. Um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, <laughs> those are yeah. those are great. Yeah. I think that would be my top five yeah, in some like, form. Yeah, but, but but still, and we'll, we'll get to this in a couple of years when I see you guys on on the the Jason Segel one. But that yeah. one is still very 
it's very important and it's very special, but it's not like a great Muppet movie. It's just a good cultural kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's for, that's for another time. Though. All right. That's a great tease for a few years from now. <laughs> Make sure you come back for that folks. I will. So, um, all right. And then with that, we will wrap things up for this week. Everyone, make sure you check out toughpicks.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Uh, thanks to Morgan Davy for our logo and Stacy Rosen for our theme music. You can write to us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Matt, tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet. So um, I'm always up on toughpigs.com, putting up stuff. Yeah. And uh, you can always uh, follow me on Twitter at writingwilkie. All right, everybody go follow Matt. Also, everybody, please, uh, you know, maybe you've, you've thought about uh, giving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you've never done it before. Go do it right now. I'm telling you to do it right now. Listen to the sound of my voice and go do it. Give us five stars. Give us a great review. And tell everyone you know about this podcast. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.